Hello everybody, welcome to this week's episode on the Mixtape of Life. This is a podcast where we talk about everyday but important things that happen around almost all of us in a hopefully entertaining manner. If you need a break or you are just bored, you are in the right place, my friend. Hello, I'm Atulit and I'm going to be your host for today. Hey, I'm Ankit A and I'm your co-host for today's episode. And as you may have already guessed through the episode's name, we will be speaking about sports. Hope you enjoy this episode. Yes, and even I hope you really enjoy it. Our guests for today are Ankit S. Hello there. And Pralat. Hey guys. So without further ado, let's get started. First of all, shall we talk about the world's biggest sporting event, the Olympics, which recently got concluded? Yes, yes. Wasn't it full of twists and turns, guys? Yep, just yeah, an amazing yes. year of sports, right? Something we all needed, really yearned for after last year's Olympics, of course, were cancelled and postponed to this year, right? And literally the whole world was looking forward to this event and just a very exciting, enthralling event. And it really me. lived up to those expectations. I mean, we saw Zverev yeah. beating Djokovic and whatnot. It was full of twists and turns. But now let's talk about India's performance at the Olympics. Yeah. We got seven I mean, medals... It's record-breaking for uh, India's history. I would say this is the first, uh, this is the most uh, amount of medals we've got in an Olympic tournament. Yeah, I guess we got one gold, two silver medals, and four bronze medals. Which is right. actually really commendable. Yes. Yeah, exactly. We beat London 2012 and we got seven medals, the highest ever medal tally. Now let's talk about Neera Chopra, who won that gold in javelin throw on the very last day of the Olympics with a monster throw of 87.58 meters. Yeah, that was amazing, right? So I was actually watching that live, right? And everyone was kind of, you know, their stomach was churning. You know, after seeing him throw that 87, everyone was really hyped and excited, right? But of course, you know, in that sport, the momentum can change at any second, right? And thank God that didn't happen, right? And his amazing throw really sealed the event overall. And yeah, congratulations. And he broke so many records. I mean, it was our second ever individual gold medal and our yeah. first medal in athletics and all of that. I mean, wow, a brilliant round of applause to Neeraj. Now, let's talk about Meera Bhai Chanu, who got that silver on day one in women's weightlifting 49 kg. Yeah, I was watching that too live, right, on the first day. And seeing her win that silver medal just made me so proud and once again excited, right? Because, of course, that was the first day, right? So, making earning that medal was a statement, right, for our nation. And it showed that this is going to be a good one for us, right? And, yeah. I feel it gave confidence to some other, other Indian athletes too. After the yep. first day only, if you get a medal, everyone will feel more rejuvenated. Yeah, sure. Exactly. And then our other silver medalist was Ravi Kumar Dahiya, who won that silver medal in 57 kg category men's freestyle wrestling. Yeah, so of course, it being his Olympic debut, right? Getting that high, doing that well on a national international stage is just really amazing and commendable, right? Definitely. He went down fighting and I respect that. And at the end of the day, he yeah. got back that silver medal, which itself is a huge, huge achievement, isn't it? Yeah, no small feat. I mean, being the second place technically in the whole world in your sport is no small feat at all. Very true. And then let's talk about the men's hockey team who won that bronze. Wasn't that so, so emotional for all of us? An Olympic yeah. medal after 41 years, wait. I mean, the yeah. pride and emotions that uh, felt throughout the country the whole day was amazing. And seeing, I actually saw hockey getting so much coverage for the first time in about so many years, like, uh, it went on uh, like the uh, the minute we won the medal since then till about four or five hours uh, since then the, there was media coverage all about it. So 
I think with this uh, hockey team, both men's and women's, I think there's uh, something special building there, and I'm so looking forward to seeing yeah. what's ahead in the future for us. Yes, exactly, and it restored and it restored the lost prestige of hockey, didn't it? It being a national yep. sport, finally it got so much coverage and popularity. Yeah, yeah, they got what they deserved. You should, you should say actually. Exactly. Yeah. 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 We lost to Belgium in the semi-final, but then won against Germany 5-4 in the bronze medal match. Again, it was very neck-to-neck up till the last second. Now, let's talk about our other bronze medalist, Lovlina Vorgohen, who won that bronze in boxing women's welterweight category. Yeah, so that's, she's probably one of our young boxing talents, right? Of course, she's, many people are probably looking at her after Mary Com, who actually is, this is probably going to be her last Olympics, right? And of course, Mary Com did the nation proud with her several medals in international sports, right? And now all eyes are on her to be the, carry the torch on in boxing. Exactly. I, I think totally uh, with Lovelina, I think she could be the next face of boxing for India, yep. just how Mericom was. And yeah, uh, she could she, be. She, she, like, uh, from what I've seen, she seems very promising and, uh, you know, lots of good things to come in the years ahead, I would say. Exactly. I agree. And then now let's talk about PV Sindhu, who won that bronze in badminton women's singles. Hasn't she been doing us proud for so, so many years now? Yep, she's been one of India's most consistent athletes at the international level. She's repeatedly done well for us and through her amazing feat, she's become a household name in India, right? And let's just hope that through the course of her career, she can even bring back a gold medal to India. Let's just hope. Yes, already she has so many achievements. Like she became the first woman from India to be a double medalist at the Olympics. And, you know, in her own words, winning that bronze at Tokyo was tougher than winning a silver in Rio. And yeah, she just sure cemented was. her place as the face of Indian badminton, right? Yep, sure. Yeah, she sure did. Definitely. Now, the, just the only dream left for her is to, you know, just become the best uh, badminton player in the world. Because I think uh, everyone knows that in India, she's the best and might just be the best in history for India. Maybe. Kind of. Exactly. I agree. Now, let's talk about Bajrang Punya, who again won that bronze on the very last day. Yeah, so I was going to say, getting medals on the last day must be hard because probably the hype has died down and everyone's a bit tired, right? But of course, his training paid off and he was able to claim the bronze medal. He was able to earn it through his hard work. So, huge amount of applause and commendation should go to him, for sure. He won his bronze medal match in the men's freestyle wrestling 65kg category 8-0, which again is no joke. He beat his opponent by such a huge margin and he deserves a huge, huge round of applause. Yeah, but at that high stage, I think every point matters, right? And leading by eight is definitely, as you said, it's definitely quite a huge feat and can't be disregarded at all. And also, we saw a lot of Indian athletes very narrowly miss out. And But I've got to say, all the athletes from our contingent gave it their all. And they all deserve our immense respect, don't they? For sure. Representing yeah, our country at the uh, international stage is no small feat, right? And we all should respect them. Yeah, and I think Indian it's uh, for them as well. For them as well, it's tough because they also have to live in these bubble lives, which uh, uh, which we have seen. It's not. It's very difficult for people to do uh, do these things. And for us as well, who are stuck in our homes, we're not. Uh, we can't really go out much. This entertainment which they give us, of uh, a half an hour, hour, whatever they give us, it's like so crucial for us. So I think yes, and uh, they have brought huge. the entire nation together for the love of sports and. And mentioned to Aditi Ashok, India women's hockey team, Deepak Punya, Mary Com, Satish Kumar, Pooja Rani, and I can go on and on. All of them not only missed out on medals, but they gave it their all. And all those 127 athletes from our contingent, thank you so, so, so much for yeah. all those, for all that entertainment which you gave us. Yeah, I think we're all looking forward to seeing uh, what's, uh, we, we're all looking forward to see the best uh, coming very soon, I'd say. Yeah. 
now talking about entertainment how can we forget the india england first test which is going on so guys let's talk about cricket now yeah so if you have to speak about the india england at least and they how much we have seen until now it's been really exciting for everyone first day itself england were bowled out for 183 by india which was unexpected you should, you could say at least i didn't I expect mean, was, that yes i mean i don't think any indian would have expected that after seeing that lineup which he uh, brought out the batting seemed fine considering that is what they've always been going through and it's always worked out pretty well wherever you go but with the bowling i'd say uh, with jadeja and shardul thakur being picked as the ones who i mean those were the most uh, controversial i would say people didn't really agree with that but then i think uh, the uh, balance and everything worked out perfectly and uh, getting an england batting line the bowled out for about 180 it's it's great like for us in england yeah i think so. each and every bowler did their part and then even our batsmen did the part we we posted a total of 278 in our second innings with a lead of 95 runs yeah i mean in that our commendable was also pretty good Go i think yeah, kl yeah. rahul has made a thundering comeback to test cricket hasn't he and yeah. uh, the funny thing is he wasn't really supposed to open as well shubman gill was supposed to open kl rahul was supposed to play in the middle order but uh, injuries and everything he gets his chance guess what he does he does the best in our uh, batting lineup and uh, not just that but also in the end i would say when uh, jadeja got that 50 and bumrah with his 28 of 32 or so that was just um, that was the reason we got this 95 runs lead and that's pro- uh, like possibly the reason we could actually win this game considering we've got about 157 runs to score in what 98 overs in the last day so yeah yeah i mean our indian tail started to wag in the first innings and that was yeah, really finally i feel everybody would be happy that finally the indian tail is wagging after a long time i mean if uh, bumrah gives an interview interview anytime soon i think someone has to ask him what's he been doing in this free time has he been uh, doing some secret batting practice or something because no one saw that 28 of 32 balls coming from him yeah, like, exactly. i didn't expect it personally and then england didn't jadeja silenced all his critics fight for on the last day didn't they on the last day we we don't have much to score i mean just like ankit said we need only 157 runs to get on the last day and england posted I mean, a total of 3 not 3 for 10 yeah uh, i mean 157 of 98 was on the last day it's uh, not a cake walk uh, i think because it's in england 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 bowlers we don't really work really well against uh, swing but i'd say i think the key for us to win this game is uh, i think pujara has to stay like he has to play his long innings the same way he did at gabba with uh, Uh, i think it was pant or gill i think it was both i would say so i think that's what is required mainly there uh, and i think if pant comes the the sooner pant comes out the uh, higher our chances of winning are i'd say because uh, for winning this game we need something similar to gab obviously not so many runs required on the are on the board but uh, playing uh, playing in england even the scoring this less runs in about 92 overs is tough stuff. yeah i agree yeah the pitches are and i think from england joe root and james anderson deserve a huge round of applause from us for one being so consistent and two for james anderson for breaking that long standing record of anil kumble i mean with joe root the 100 he scored it was just absolutely uh, wonderful i say because he's we all know what a classy batsman he is and uh, with the strike rate he was playing and because on the other side we had sibley who was playing like a very a very slow innings but also at the same time player uh, when joe root was on the other side he didn't really care much he kept the uh, scoreboard ticking and uh, uh, i think uh, he's the main re- he's uh, he was always a key wicket we didn't get him so 303 runs uh, is what they scored maybe we could have got a lesser target uh, for us if we'd got him out earlier 
and james anderson has always been so consistent and the fa- and leading the england bowling attack at this age and being a quick bowler at 39 years of age is again i don't know how he does it i mean massive respect to james anderson because leading the lineup he still got time in his fitness is also uh, very really great uh, at this point uh, at this age so getting a fifer uh, in the first innings that was uh, really crucial for england because if he, if not for him india might have done um, got, got a 150 or 160 on lead whatever yes so guys now obviously by the time the listeners listen to this they will know who won the first test let us make our predictions to see who is right and who will win the first test i'd say india are definitely going to win and uh, i'd say this is going to be pujara's comeback innings and uh, talking about the whole series in general i'd say india this is this is actually the best chance of india actually ever winning a series in england test series uh, so i'd say we'll win it 3-1 one game is going to get washed out or something like that so yeah i know 3-1 uh, seems like a bit too much for uh, india's uh, uh, what india usually do but i could see it happening this time let's see what happens then i say if you ask me for the, the first test by about five or six wickets with again pujara and rahane taking us to those winning runs and talking about the entire series i think india just as you said i have the same prediction india will win 3-1 again one game is sure to be washed out or will end in a draw because of rain yeah even i feel that this test india will win the test because they are in a really comfortable position you know and probably they might lose five wickets by the time they win and i also stick with you guys with the series prediction of 3-1 Oh, going India's way. Anything on highest run getters and highest wicket takers? I think uh, Rahane to be our highest run getter in this tournament. I mean, that seems like a very unlikely thing, but okay, fine, it's your prediction. Ankit, what about you? According to me, if you ask for the Indian team, the highest run getter might be KL Rahul. But if you ask in the whole series, it might be Joe Root. Yeah. Uh, I'd say for the whole series, no. Uh, I mean, for both the teams, I'd say it's going to be Rohit Sharma. I know it's unlikely, but we've got five tests, and let's see what happens. Everyone comes to something different here, so we'll see uh, how it goes. In terms and of wicket takers, takers, I would say the way it's looking like at the moment, I'd say Bumrah seems uh, at his best, but I think it'll be Jimmy Anderson in the end, making it by about one or two wickets. Yeah, even I'd say for India, it'll be Bumrah, and for the England team, it'll be James Anderson. and in the for the series also i feel but uh, in the series i feel bumrah might get the most wickets i have a unique prediction to make i think siraj will be india's highest wicket getter and as you guys said i think jimmy anderson will end up with the most wickets in the entire series yeah i mean siraj is not a bad prediction uh, i mean he's uh, looked really good so far and uh, i mean he's definitely got the chance so let's see what happens then right so now talking about unlikely things how about bangladesh beating australia in a five match t20 series already with a lead of 3-1 with four t20s over yeah i mean that doesn't make our prediction seem so unlikely now does it i know right i mean bangladesh have suddenly rejuvenated and seem to be a very strong team with the world t20 looming now Yeah, and Australia were in the danger of getting whitewashed had not they won the match, the fourth T20, and made it three-one. Not to win the fourth I mean, T20, they won it by a whisker. Do you guys see Dan Christian hit five sixes? Do you, do you guys see Dan Christian hit five sixes against Sakib Alasan? That was something special. Yeah, that too, especially T20. just one over he hit all the five sixes. That's just yeah, marvelous. That was just brilliant. 
I don't know how Australia managed to make the ma- match so close because I saw them. I really thought that they would win the match really easily, but then somehow they managed to make the match so close, much closer than it should have been. And but anyways, Bangladesh have won the series, and something has happened to Australia. I mean, even we saw West Indies beating them. I mean, there's something seriously wrong with Australia. I'm not saying that West Indies or Bangladesh are bad teams in general, but it is that we know that Australia are way better than this. I know you know don't have your key players. but still if if you don't have this much like if, if that is your squad depth then i don't know what uh, what's going to happen to them in the world t20 because uh, definitely if, uh, quite a few of their those players are going to be going to the world t20 next very true and and west indies also saw the return of stars such as pollard gale simmons etc and they also saw new faces such as hayden walsh junior and we and i think he might come into the west indies team in the world t20 and make a huge difference now talking yeah. about the world t20 we saw a lot of debutants from india try to make their um, cause yeah for the world for our for a place in the world t20 team for india right yeah in the sri yes, lanka in the sri lanka yeah in the sri lanka series i think we won the odis we lost the t20s But there were quite a few positives uh, coming out from that series. Ankit, uh, who do you say was uh, a player that impressed you? For me, it was personally Surya Kumar Yadav. You know, he and he's consistent in every match he plays, both the ODI Street Twenties. I mean, yes, he made his debut against England in the series we played in March, and since then he's just uh, been so great for us. I I'd say all his see uh, his spot should already be sealed in the T Twenty squad because he is looking great because he can do everything. He can play like a uh you know he can play explosively and hit, uh, hit like uh, 20 runs in an over if you want him to and he can sit there and play like a uh, very slow innings according to the pitch he, like, like an anchor he's, he's, exactly he's just uh, you know a brilliant batsman he's almost got everything he's uh, yeah i mean i'm praising him too much i guess it looks like that but yeah i think he's uh, definitely so anyways, uh, important part of the future we won the odi series 2-1 and lost the t20 series 2-1 to sri lanka okay so i yeah. think that's that for cricket for this episode Now let's talk a bit about football. I mean, the last month we saw the Euros and the Copa America being concluded, making it a very, very entertaining month for all football fans, wasn't it? Yes, I mean, uh, Euros. It was just such an enjoyable tournament, and coming coming out of that 2021 season, which was actually mad in terms of all the leagues, to be honest. Coming out of that, you know, we had a bit of a holiday season, I'd say, with the Euros, and it was really entertaining. Uh, you know, Italy win the um, Euros completely, and uh, I think from the starting itself, people when they when people saw how they performed in the group stages, I think everyone knew that they were at least going to the semi-finals. And uh, yeah, I think uh, uh, Roberto Mancini, the manager, he played a huge part in uh, in the Italy winning uh, winning that uh, uh, yeah winning the Euros. And on the other side, we had England who also did perform well in terms of getting to the finals, but in terms of how they played football, it wasn't really pretty and. Uh, but still they went all the way and mainly i think it was their defense that impressed me you know uh, with maguire shaw all those players and i think in the copa we saw argentina beat brazil to get messi's first international trophy after so long finally his wait for international trophy has ended i know it's his first ever international trophy with uh, argentina and i think since forever he's been waiting to get a trophy with argentina and definitely spices up the uh, goat goat uh, uh, argument yeah so now ankit who do you think were the best players from the euros well from the euros i think there were so many impressive performances i think throughout the tournament donnarumma who was he was the player of the tournament as a goalkeeper he's brilliant and i was really impressed with him 
and also other players from Italy were I think Chiesa and Spinazzola. Uh, then from England side, as I said, Maguire and Shaw they were standout. Then uh, from Denmark, uh, Joachim uh, Meil, I guess that's how they say it. And then uh, the young talent from Denmark, Damsgaard. Then Spain. Uh, Laporta, who was actually making his debut for Spain because he just changed from France to Spain, he seemed really good in that defence and he's got uh, quite a few years ahead of him for Spain. That's going to be key in the next coming years. And Pedri, he, I think, took the tournament by storm. Young player of the tournament. And the next season uh, for uh, Barcelona, he's probably going to be the star boy. Uh, you know, We'll come back to, uh, to that later, how he's going to be the star boy. But yeah, I think Inter those were the most... Iniestas. I mean, yeah, reincarnation, isn't it? Exactly. In FIFA terms, regen. So, yeah. Yeah. So, now, let's talk about transfers. We saw some news come a few days back, which really hit us all. Yeah. Really Barcelona, oh, my God. That was so unexpected. Barcelona officially announced that Lionel Messi will not be continuing with the Barcelona. I repeat, Lionel Messi will not be continuing with FC Barcelona as their as his club. Wow. So, Ankit, can you tell us a bit more about the reason and all those impositions by La Liga? First of and all, I mean, uh, Barcelona, I think it's not uh, in a secret that Barcelona are in a terrible uh, financial situation. And we got to know more about that when we saw the wage structure and how messed up it was. You know, Griezmann on 750k a week, uh, Frankie Dion on 400k a week. Like, uh, I think it's uh, they've just overpaid for uh, all the players, not just in terms of the transfer fees, but also in the agent fees and wages, is everything. So all that was an issue. And then La Liga, obviously, with the rules of that you can't register these players due to all these financial reasons and all that. So that was the reason why they couldn't sign Messi because La Liga had some sort of a rule. So, so Messi also even sign. the new signings such as Aguero, Depay, and exactly. Garcia are in trouble, right? Exactly, they can't be registered. They're playing in the friendlies right now, but they're trying to figure out something to register those players. They're trying to, you know, they're offering their players to other clubs, please buy them so that, you know, we can register our players and all that stuff. So, Barcelona is a terrible situation, I'd say. Other than that, there have been other big transfers. So, Ankit, wait, before we go on to the other big player transfers, didn't we see a a huge managerial merry-go-round go on with so many managers leaving their clubs and joining new clubs? Yeah, at a point it was really funny because the season had just got over and a few days later you, you just see, oh, this man just leaving, that man just coming in. And, yeah. uh, it's just such so a funny you know situation. Let's have a bit of fun now. Let's have a rapid fire round. Okay, Ankit, I challenge you. I am okay. going to mention a club's name and you need to tell what their new manager is right. as fast as you can. Okay. Great. Are you ready? Yes, yes. Go on, Here go on. Go. Everton. Uh, Rafa Benitez. Real Madrid. Uh... Ancelotti, Carlo Ancelotti. Yeah, Inter Milan. Uh, Inzaghi. Juventus. Allegri. Bayern. Uh, Nagelsmann. Dortmund. Uh, Marco Rose. RB Leipzig. Jesse Marsh. AS Roma. Uh, Jose Mourinho. Tottenham. Uh, Nuno Santo. Okay, I think I'm done. Wow, that was fun. You got yeah. almost everything. That was brilliant. Yeah, I, I mean, think I, I got, got everything. everything. Real everything. Madrid was the one. And that was so quick also from Ankit. Yeah, I mean, uh, I follow this stuff a lot. So, I guess I have a decent amount of knowledge yeah. in that. That is seriously impressive. Though, like. Yeah. So, now let's get back to our big transfers. Which we have seen so far. Yeah. So, the other great transfers uh, that took place were, well, Sancho and Varane coming to Manchester United. Such big transfers uh, with 
Well, Sancho's uh, transfer fee was about 73 million and Varane was about 34 million. And I'd say with the Varane one, it's such a bargain, to be honest. Yeah. And now, Ankit, I know you're a Man United fan, but how about your rivals, Man City, signing of Grealish? 100 million euros. That's... Wow. <sighs> I mean, he, he's a great player, but personally, I'd say not worth 100 million, but still, they've, uh, you, uh, I mean, used so much money on that, but... Uh, he'll definitely do really good for them. I'm I'm sure about that. And I mean, it's sort of a love-hate relationship with him now because I, um, I absolutely adored him last season. And obviously, like whenever he was in the Premier League and now that he's going to Man City, uh, things are terrible. <laughs> PSG are making the most of this transfer window, aren't they? Yeah, yeah I they mean, surely are. So hmm. many frees and quite a few good signings, I would say. And, and now Messi also Messi. discussions. And PSG, Donnarumma on a free, Benaldum on a free, Ramos on a free, Hakimi on 73 million. So, great transfers. Very true. And also, I just saw a rumour recently that Lukaku might be on his way back to Chelsea from Inter. Well, I'd like to tell you that it's not a rumour anymore. It's been confirmed that he's going to uh, uh, what uh, Chelsea for about, I think it was 130 million euros wow. or something like that. So, yeah, another transfer record broken there. So, yeah, interesting. The thing is, uh, I think we all realised last year in Chelsea's uh, uh, last piece in the puzzle was a prolific striker who would actually score goals and like Werner who's been missing quite a bit and all that. So, let's see what happens. It's going to be exciting. Right. And can you tell me a little about Arsenal's transfer so far? Well, Arsenal signed Ben White for £50 million, whereas United signed Varane for £30 million. No comments on that, guys. Then, uh, other than that, Nuno Tavares for 8 million, uh, backup back left back, Sambi Lokonga 17 million euros, who could possibly uh, slowly get into the starting 11 as a midfielder. I think that's all, all they've done for the transfers so far. Yeah, and then any other big transfers like from Germany? RB Leipzig, I mean, Bayern? Yes, Open going to Bayern, uh, Daniel Malin joining Dortmund as the Sancho replacement, Konate coming to Liverpool for about 40 million euros. So, yeah. Lots of big transfers happening. And not just that, but also David Alaba left for Real Madrid for a free. So, yeah, interesting stuff there. I think RB Leipzig finally got Andre Silva from Eintracht Frankfurt. And yes, he can yes. probably fill in the big boots of Werner. Yeah, I mean, last season, I think he scored more goals than Haaland, but less than Lewandowski. And I think he scored, he scored quite a few goals. I'm not able to remember the number yeah, right now. Yeah, more goals than Haaland. Second highest scorer, yeah, that much I remember. Exactly, that much even I remember, but I can't... But it's exactly a like, huge number of goals. It's not uh, something which we... It's not a regular phenomenon, I'd say, the number of goals he scored last season. So, it's interesting. Let's see what happens uh, next season. I think he will do good. He will do Very really true. good for yeah, Adelaide. I, I agree. But Ankit, you know, after the Euros, I was hearing a lot of rumours about Locatelli after his great performance with Italy. I mean, I think uh, with Locatelli, it's still a tricky situation because there are quite a few other clubs who want him as well. I think uh, Arsenal still uh, definitely want him, but uh, 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 Juventus is uh, more likely for him to go as he prefers to go to Juventus. The negotiations aren't really in uh, a good state right now, but I think by the end of the transfer window, he will have gone somewhere. We'll see what happens there. So, I think that's about it. We've covered up all the big transfers and rumours so far. Yeah. Right. So, now let's head on to a bit of basketball, shall we? Yep, let's do it. So, first of all, I wanted to talk about the Olympics and the US's performance in them more particularly. So, of course, the US, more, most of the USA team consists of NBA players, right? Born and bred in the US, right? 
and they actually lost an exhibition game to Nigeria as well as losing their first game to France, right? And even though they won the gold medal eventually against France, they didn't win by a huge margin. And many people are saying Kevin Durant carried the team and Damian Lillard didn't do much to the team. And now questions are being, being brought up whether in US actually has the best talent in the sport or maybe just the best opportunities because seeing such good players from other countries... I think talent as- might be developing all around the world and with infrastructure development for basketball all around the world, yeah. we might see US being dethroned in the next few years. Exactly. I mean, you can already see the process is starting to take shape. I mean, looking at Giannis Antetokounmpo, of course, the current two, one of the greatest players in the league maybe ever at this point and Luka Doncic, another young player from Slovenia who's already considered as one of the best players in the NBA. So, yeah, I think honestly, it's very possible that as infrastructure develops throughout the world, maybe we'll be seeing a lot more international players reach the apex of the NBA. Not out of the realm of possibility at all. Very then cool. I wanted to talk about the Bucks, right, who of course won the championship, right? In the off-season, Giannis Antetokounmpo signed the 250 million four-year extra uh, extension, which made him probably the richest NBA player ever in terms of a single contract. There's been no other contract as large as this before. And of course, they also made the addition of Drew Holiday in addition to the already strong core of Giannis and Chris Middleton. And Drew Holiday was a very good addition because even though many people were questioning how good he is as an offensive player, he played really good defense in the playoffs. And of course, Against the Hawks, he actually suffocated Trey Young, right? Who's a really good shooter and playmaker, right? I think it paid off in the end. We saw the Bucks winning, right? I think all those questions all evaporated by the end because they just proved everyone wrong. Yeah, especially one of the main storylines was whether Giannis, who's of course one of the greatest players, a two-time MVP and a defensive player of the year, could lead his team to a championship, right? And of course, that was the main narrative. And he's a very inspirational person, right? His story is very inspirational. Racks to riches. Yeah, just insane, right? So, of course, he defeated super teams like the Nets super team. And it's just crazy to see how good he has become, right? And he might already, through his achievements of being a two-time MVP, a defensive player of the year, a most improved player. He might be a Hall of Fame level player and he isn't even in his prime. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, usually they reach the prime in NBA 28 or something like that. But he's still 26. Exactly. They usually reach the prime around 30 years old, right? He's only 26. He's still four years away from that, approximately. And he already has all these achievements under his belt, right? And of course, he's in an elite club of players. After he also closed out the NBA championship on 50 points with 17 for 19 from the free throw line and an impressive five blocks, showing that he can not only lead his team and be elite on both sides also of the ball, right? He can not only play amazing offense, but also defense, right? And surely as he develops, he can also develop his own three-point shot. And once he develops that, it's basically over for the league. He's going to be leaps and bounds above everyone else. Then I wanted to talk... Then I wanted to be talk. I wanted to talk about the losing team, right, in the finals, the Phoenix Suns, right. Now, of course, they were led by Chris Paul and Devin Booker, right. Devin Booker, who's a young star who has been part of a struggling team in the past few years, even though he had some crazy performances, right. And after trading Chris Paul from the Thunder to the Suns and their playoff run, people are saying this team was sure to win the finals. And at one point, they won their the first fin- two games also, didn't they, in the finals? Even I thought they would win, but yeah. then Bucks did some crazy thing and just mm-hmm. won the. Yeah, so after winning their first two games, people were already congratulating them. They were sure that this team is going to win, right? And then, of course, in Game 4, after Chris Paul's injury and his not-so-good performance, right, he only had 10 points, 4 rebounds. He had 5 for 13 from the field, 0 for 2 from 3, 
five turnovers and three fouls, right? Which is not really good for a player of his caliber, right? I mean, and this kind of drives the narrative that many people have been saying for many years after he's been surrounded by stars like Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, and James Harden, that maybe he's not that good a player. Maybe he's not a championship level player, right? Even though he's one of the most talented players ever, he he may never win a ring again, seeing that as his career dwindles, this may be the best chance he ever had. Then I wanted to talk about the Brooklyn Nets. So, of course, last year, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, two players who have infamously tried and sacrificed their loyalty to a team for being part of a super team with many good players. Even right? James and Harden forced a move to the Nets, didn't he? Exactly. So, for last year, Kevin Durant was injured for most of the season. And this year, James Harden even forced a trade from the Rockets to the Nets, right? And at that point, people were like, okay, the season is over. We already know who are going to win, right? But Do you think season, it became so, too many cooks spoiled the broth? Yeah, that's what throughout the season, that was the question that people are asking, right? With three of the best stars, would it be too much offensive pressure on all three people to do good individually? Or would they be able to build their chemistry as a team? And we also saw most of the times one player was injured. So we very rarely is it that we got to see three of them play together, right? And even when we did get to see two or even three of them on this uh, on the floor, we saw how amazing they really were. But of course, their injuries along with their chemistry kind of hindered them and there are still some issues that can be fixed in this team. And Speaking of course, about injuries, wasn't that entire season full of injuries? Like literally, it, it, was, it was with injuries. It's a very sad. It's a very sad thing, really. I mean, look at Joel Embiid, who had hopes of winning the MVP at the start of the season, putting up crazy numbers. Of course, he got injured and missed the last part of the season, which is very sad, right? Because if he improved his production, he had a very good chance of actually making a huge difference in his team and also winning the MVP. Then we see Anthony Davis, right, who's still pretty young and many people are also questioning his ability to stay healthy because in the past few seasons, people are saying he's not been able to stay healthy for a large, for a, a length of a season as a whole and he's kept getting injured again and again even though he's not that old. Coupled with his other duo, LeBron James, right, who of course is also considered maybe the best player ever by some people, right, but slowly he's starting to get old and you can see it on the floor. He's not as active on the offense or defense and he has also been riddled with a couple of injuries throughout the season but do you think you can blame the lakers poor seasons and very premature exit just to lebron no actually there's a lot of factors that went into that right because after last year they won the finals and seeing lebron and anthony davis's duo people are saying that this duo is just amazing and can lead the team single-handedly and of course this season not only did they get injured but they also traded some of their experienced role players such as Rajon Rondo and Dwight Howard for younger talents such as Dennis Schroeder and Montrez Harrell and we have to see if this is a this was not really a good decision for them this year because neither of them performed that well and this team was lacking good three-point percentage right and now they've of course made a lot of changes of many more old veterans right trading for Russell Westbrook trading for Trevor Ariza, trading for Carmelo Anthony. And making all these changes, people are saying they're once again going back to the formula of taking old veterans who can also shoot from three-point line. And we'll have to see, right? The key to this team is now staying healthy for the whole season with all their old talent. Yeah, like actually. And what can you tell me about Steph Curry? I heard he had one, like one of his best seasons ever. If yeah, he sure did. People are saying that he probably had his best season ever, right? So he had 32 points and he really did well on everything this year, right, as well as his production, which he's famously regarded as one of the best three-point shooters and shooters as a whole, right? And he definitely upkept that uh, reputation that he had, even though he tried to carry his team, his team was not very successful as a whole. And a large part of that might be Clay Thompson, right? So, of course, after losing to the Raptors in last to last year's finals, right, he stayed injured in the finals and 
He missed the whole of the I was dying to see him play again this year and he got injured again in a pre-season. Yeah, it's very sad. So after 2020, he was injured for most of the season. And towards the end of the season, we saw that there was some leaked footage of him practicing. And people were extremely hyped to see one of the best teams ever back, right? And unfortunately, it was announced just before the season started that Clay Thompson was injured in the pre-season. And yeah, through all these injuries, people have been asking if the season even had any credibility. But for sure, you can see, including Steph Curry, many players had amazing seasons. And overall, this was like one of the best seasons that we could have asked for in the current situation. Yeah, I agree. Now, talking about one of the most best and interesting seasons, something very interesting is going on right now, which is this Formula 1 season, which is going on. Have you guys been following it? Yeah, the uh, yes. GP got recently concluded, I believe. Right, I mean, this Formula 1 season has been crazy so far, in my opinion. Right, so speaking about crazy seasons, don't you think this year's F1 season is absolutely crazy going on right now? Yes, I mean, the Hungarian Grand Prix, we just uh, finished like recently, that was really entertaining and just uh, spices up the whole season. Oh, so you follow F1, is it? I challenge you to another rapid-fire round. Do you want to do it? Yes, yes, definitely. Right, so here... Okay, so here's how I'll go. Okay, I am going to be mentioning the team's name, and you will have to mm-hmm. tell me which are the two drivers which race for the team. All right? Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Three, two, one. Here we go. Ferrari. Uh, Sainz and uh, Lacroix. McLaren. Uh, Lando and Daniel Ricciardo. Mercedes. Uh, Hamilton and Bottas. Red Bull. Uh, Verstappen and Perez. Williams. Uh, Latifi and George Russell. Alpine. Alpine, Ocon and Fernando Alonso. Alright, so I don't doubt your F1 knowledge at all now. <laughs> Not that I did, but yeah, anyways, let's move on. Let's talk about the Hungarian Grand Prix as we were. I mean, the Hungarian Grand Prix was just so entertaining. You know, the way it started off first, uh, you know, I think uh, Bottas, uh, I mean, he, it, sta- it all started off with him. You know, he crashes, he crashes into Lando, his car gets damaged, so he can't race anymore. I think we saw a total of six drivers getting uh, a DNF. Because I mean, yeah, six drivers DNS and uh, then, uh, yeah, and then second place Vettel actually got disqualified again due to some fuel issues. Um, the the drivers who actually did not finish were actually in the, I think, first Bottas, then I knew, I remember Lando, then Sergio Perez, then Charles Lacroix, obviously, uh, then Lance Stroll, and Nikita Mazepin. The, the Nikita Mazepin one was actually quite funny because, I mean, not funny, but uh, he went into the pits and he got a crash in the pitch, like, how can that happen? And because of that, his that's, car got damaged. That's a bit unbelievable. I mean, and what yeah. was even more unbelievable was the winner. We saw Esteban Ocon. Esteban Ocon, oh my God. Like, no one expected that coming. And, uh, I mean, it's all uh, due to Fernando Alonso, I'd say. If not for him, then Lewis Hamilton would have uh, won, like, uh, by huge margin, I would say. Because uh, Hamilton, oh, the way he was rising. A very special birthday for Fernando Alonso, wasn't it? On I mean, yes, Alpine won the first. What a victory. Exactly. And he defended Lewis Hamilton so well, else Lewis Hamilton would have won the race, in my definitely, opinion. Definitely, definitely. And, uh, I mean, Esteban Ocon winning it. Then second place was actually Vettel, and then due to some few or some sort of a... Uh, he was, they were not, they didn't have any uh, like some sort of proof for uh, the uh, fuel or something like that, and because of that, he was he was disqualified. That was sad. It's actually team. sad, isn't it? After, exactly. After finishing second after such a hard race, you get disqualified. And then he was enjoying the celebration in the podium and everything. Hamilton, for some reason, after the race, he was like so exhausted he couldn't even stand in the podium. But because of the disqualification, he comes second. Then Sai Carl, uh, then Carlos Sainz, he came third, and Fernando Alonso coming fourth. Then Pierre Gasly coming fifth. Uh, I think uh, Sonoda came 6th. 
and also mm. i think it was a very emotional race for williams who finally got double digit points i know i, I saw where you know george russell teared up in that interview and you know double points for uh, williams it was a really emotional moment for them and uh, yeah george russell definitely i really like him and i see good things uh, coming from him uh, and apparently mercedes could be getting him soon so let's see what happens there another thing max verstappen for red bull he finished ninth and that was uh, very surprising and uh, well it was really only because of uh, the damage his car took in uh, the fir- you know uh, in the first turn or something like that it was uh, really bad and that's why he couldn't uh, do much really but uh, he still did and also and- this race had a huge significance because for the first time mercedes has overtaken red bull on this year standing constructors yeah standing. this year it has been really up and down like you never know who will, who will win i mean standings are actually really interesting because mercedes are on top with 303 points and red bull uh, comes with 291 ferrari and mclaren both are actually on 163 and then alpines on 77 alpha, alpha tauri on 68, 68 aston martin on 48 I and know. then from there it just goes down but then williams 10 alfa romeo 3 haas uh, haas is zero so that's what as it far is, as right? driver standings are concerned i think hamilton is on top with verstappen trailing him and yes. lando is on third position i mean lando is a driver i uh, like really like and uh, yeah i mean if not for this race maybe mclaren would uh, mclaren would definitely done really well yeah I, so guys hmm. what are your predictions which constructor is going to finish on top at the end of the 20 2021 22 season i say red bull is going to get it I mean, it's probably going to be one of Mercedes and Red Bull, but just out of my love for Lando, I'm going to say McLaren. I know it's uh, it's uh, probably impossible, but I hope that happens because, uh, yeah. And the thing yeah, is, I, I feel it's going to be either Mercedes or Red Bull. They are the two strongest. Come on, choose one. Choose one. It's um, obviously going to be either of those two. Okay, man. Uh, I'll go with probably Mercedes. Okay. So let's see. So thank you for listening and I think that's all for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and bye bye for now. Also thanks a lot to all, both the guests who have joined us for this episode and giving us valuable information. A pleasure. Hey, you made it to the end. So, you had fun, huh? If so, we should do this again sometime and if you enjoyed it that much, then make sure to follow our podcast and tune in for next week's episode. For any questions about the podcast or the episodes, mail us at themixtapeoflife at gmail.com.